0: So we are continuing this morning in our short summer series in a selection of psalms, Praise the King. And we come to Psalm 5. So please turn with me to Psalm 5. This message is titled, The King of Righteousness. Hear now the eternal living word of God. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. And spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you, for you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. This is the word of the Lord. The older I get, the more I realize how important relationships are in life. The way to a fulfilled life is to have happy, healthy relationships with people that you love. But unfortunately, many of our other pursuits in life get in the way of our relationships. Money, career, entertainment. But really, our sin, our selfishness gets in the way of our relationships. Because any human relationship is a relationship between two sinners. But there is our relationship with God. A relationship that was completely broken by sin. God as the creator, the holy, righteous, almighty God, cannot be in the presence of sin and simply ignore it. He must punish sin. He is righteous, he is good, he is just. He cannot simply overlook sin when in a relationship. Sin demands his justice, it demands punishment and his wrath. But that is the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That although you're a sinner, although you've rejected God, rebelled against him, sinned against him your whole life, although there's no way for you to reconcile with him yourself, God provided a way. God provided his own son. The eternal son of God took on flesh, became human as the man, Jesus of Nazareth. And he offered himself as a sacrifice to pay the penalty of your sins. And he lived the perfectly righteous life so that you could be seen in the eyes of God, in his righteousness, so that you could be in a relationship with God. There was a 20th century Scottish theologian named William Barclay who wrote, When we accept Christ... We enter into three new relationships. We enter into a new relationship with God. The judge becomes the father. The distance becomes near. Strangeness becomes intimacy. And fear becomes love. We enter into a new relationship with our fellow men. Hatred becomes love. Selfishness becomes service. And bitterness becomes forgiveness. And we enter into a new relationship with ourselves. Weakness becomes strength. Frustration becomes achievement. And tension becomes peace. And that ultimately is the path of the righteous. The path of life. Living life God's way that we learned about in Psalm 1. When you accept and believe that your only hope in life and in death is salvation freely offered in Jesus Christ. Then everything is changes. You enter into a relationship with God and He changes everything about you. The path of the righteous is the pursuit of a deep relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus, you go from being an enemy of God to a child of God. And you strengthen and deepen your relationship with God as your Father through studying His Word, through loving Him, obeying Him, worshiping Him, All in response to the gracious gift of salvation he's given you. So as we study Psalm 5 this morning, we'll see three benefits you receive in your relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. First is God hears your prayers. Second, God changes you and your desires. And the third is God blesses you. David, once again, begins this psalm by crying out to the Lord, asking God to hear him. Starting in verse 1, he says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. And watch. Watch. David's calling God to hear his words, to hear his prayer. And he says, O Lord, several times throughout this psalm, which is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's the name God gave to Moses for the first time right before he delivered his people from Egypt. It's God's covenant name he gives to his people. It's repeated more than 4,000 times throughout the Old Testament. Yahweh literally means, I am who I am. God's name, Yahweh, reminds us he is the self-existing, eternal God. The God who is the all-powerful creator of everything. He is self-sufficient and unchanging. So David calling out to Yahweh. He's calling God by his covenant name. Calling God to remember his covenantal promises. And he says, consider my groaning. Which actually is also translated as my meditation. And this really reminds us and brings us back to Psalm 1, to the righteous man, the man who meditates on God's Torah, on God's teachings and instructions day and night. David is calling on the Lord, his, his covenantal God, Yahweh, to consider his meditations on God's teachings, on God's word, to consider that David has sought God through his word. David, is on the righteous path. He's striving to live his life according to God's word, rejecting the false wisdom of the world, the false way of life. And therefore, he wants God to answer his cry, to remember his promises. And we see also that David submits to God. He says, my God and my king. David is a king. But he knows that he is only king because God has chosen him and anointed him. And so he submits to God as his king. Unlike the kings we read about in Psalm 2 who meditate on vanity, on worthless things. They rebel against God. They they reject God as their king. David, on the other hand, declares his allegiance to God. And, And he's showing this through his meditations and through his humble submission to God. And he prays to God. He says, for to you do I pray. So David's prayer to God shows that he relies on him. He submits to God and he calls to him for help. He says, "O oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice to you and watch. And so here we see the first benefit of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Is God hearing your prayers. As a Christian, as someone who is united to Christ by faith, you have access in prayer to the throne room of God, the King of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things. You can come before Him and speak with Him. You can tell Him how you feel, you can tell Him what you desire. You can even make requests of Him. He tells us to do this. You can ask Him for what you need, what your loved ones needs, what our church needs, God hears you. Because he is not only the sovereign king and creator of the universe, but through the life, work, and death of Jesus Christ, through your adoption into his family, he is your father in heaven. He cares for you. He loves you. He wants to hear your prayers. He wants to give you what you need. He wants to give you what is good. He wants you to submit to him and rely on him by coming to him in prayer and we see a few things about prayer here in this from David's prayer first there's an urgency to David's prayer he says give ear to my words give attention to the sounds of my cry it shows us how serious he is about prayer and how serious prayer is and the reliance that David has on God he needs God to hear him but David is confident in his relationship with the Lord. He knows that God will hear him. And so there's also a confidence to his prayer. If, you're, have a, if you have a covenant relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, you know that he loves you and you know that he will hear you. You can confidently come to him in prayer knowing that he is the giver of all good things and that he will provide for you and care for you. He may not always give you the answer you want, But he will always give you everything you need. And he wants you to draw near to him in prayer. And David also reveals the heart of his prayer. There's a heart of submission to the Lord. He calls him my God, my king. And also he worships God. David draws near to God in praying to him. He comes before him in worship. He says, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. This is the God whom he worships. You pray to the God you worship. In worship, we draw near to God. And it's a chance to feel his presence, to feel the closeness of our relationship with him. And the sacrifice, most likely, was a sin offering. Because confessing sin before God is important in drawing near to him. That's why we do it in worship. You should be confessing your sin in prayer asking God to search your heart reveal the hidden sins to you because this is part of your coming into the presence of the Lord. And David doesn't only say he worships God, but in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. He's watching to see how God will answer his prayers. He's waiting for God in expectation. When you pray to God, you can pray in faith, expecting that God will answer. And you can pray that You will accept his answer because he is the God of all good things. He knows what is best. You may think you really need something, you you really need this job, or you really need to win the lottery. You need you may pray that God makes your life easier and better, but God knows what he has planned for you. God knows how he is working all things for good, even when you can't see it. His thoughts are above your thoughts, his ways are above your ways. So you can pray to God, who is the Almighty King, who is also your Father through Jesus Christ, and you can do so knowing that He hears you. You can do so worshiping Him, glorifying Him, confessing your sin, drawing near to Him, submitting to Him, admitting that you're inadequate and that you need Him. You have to rely on Him, and you can do so urgently, expecting that He will hear you and He will answer Because you're praying in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. But David knows that God hearing his prayers is is only on the basis of God's relationship with him. Through God's covenant and his promises to him. Therefore, he begins to reflect on those outside God's covenant. Those on the path of the wicked. Starting in verse 4, he says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. The psalm speaks of the wicked frequently. In Psalm 1, we learned of the way of the wicked, the path of life according to the world. In Psalm 2, we learned the wicked who rebel against God and and against his anointed king, against his Christ. Now in Psalm 5, David says that God doesn't hear their prayers, ultimately because they don't have a relationship with God, and their behaviors show it. They live wicked, evil lives. They are on the path of the wicked, living their life according to the counsel of the wicked, following the course of the world. And that's really what it means to be On the path of the wicked. It means someone who is not in a relationship with God. Someone who is not seeking him in prayer. Not seeking him through his word. Someone who doesn't care what God has to say. Who rejects him and his commands. Who really doesn't know him at all. Someone who is living life in selfishness. In sin. In wickedness. And because of this. Because of the evil and the pride. The lies and the deceit. Because of their sin. God doesn't hear their prayers. And David's saying, this isn't me. I'm not on the path of the wicked. He's not someone who's living without a relationship with God. And for someone who is on the path of the righteous, although your righteousness is in Christ alone, you have sinned. But you know it's wrong. That's the difference between the two paths of life. Those on the path of the wicked sin and they don't care. Those in the path of the righteous still sin. No one is sinless in this life. But you desire to stop sinning. You study and read and meditate on God's word so you can know what he has to say about how he wants you to live life. That's the path of the righteous. The life of someone who is united to Christ by faith. The life of someone in a relationship with God through his son. And when you have this relationship, when you have faith in Jesus Christ... You know that God hears your prayers with absolute certainty. And David contrasts himself with those on the path of the wicked. In verse 7 and 8 he says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies make your way straight before me. Contrary to the wicked who reject God, who live their life without him, who have no relationship with him, David will enter God's house, but only through the abundance of God's steadfast love. So notice that David's not stating or even implying that he deserves this. David, we all know, sinned greatly. But David's worship and his love for God hasn't earned him God's favor. It's because of God's undeserved favor upon him that David responds in loving obedience. It's only because God's steadfast love upon him that David can even enter the house of the Lord. As David says, I will bow down toward your holy temple in fear of you. This is David's response to the grace of God. He worships the Lord in fear of the Lord. He worships with a proper attitude of reverence, of respect, awe, and fear of the holy God, of the God who loves him and whom he loves. And then he says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make my way straight before me. This is the second benefit of your relationship with God through faith in Christ. God changes you and Changes your desires. David prays for the Lord to lead him in his righteousness. When you come to a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. The work of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save you. You can't add anything to it. Everything you do in obedience is a response to this salvation that has already been accomplished by Jesus. Paul wrote of this in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. and This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Nothing you've done contributes even one ounce to your salvation. You're saved by, from the wrath of God as you are solely through Jesus Christ. But when you're saved, God doesn't leave you as you are. Anyone who comes into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ will be changed. And you'll want to live according to God's word. You will seek out his word and you'll want to live life his way. God changes your desires. You won't want to ignore God and do your own thing anymore. You want what God wants. Your desire will start to become pleasing him. Loving him through obedience You are saved from the wrath of God, but you're also saved for something. You're saved for good works. You're saved for living your life on the path of God, according to the word of God. And it's God that leads you down this path. And this is what we mean by the theological term sanctification. God's transforming your whole self into his image, into the image of Christ. And you have a part to play in this. You do have to repent. You do have to turn from your sin and choose God continuously. And no one completes this process in this life becoming completely sinless. But God leads the way. And notice David is praying for this. He's praying for God to lead him in the way of God's righteousness. He's praying for his own sanctification, for God to straighten his path, for God to make him Holy, He doesn't want to be like the wicked. He doesn't want to live life according to the world. He worships God. He fears him. And he wants to be holy like God is holy. There are two extremes that Christians can have when it comes to sin and repentance. The first is to act like you don't sin at all, which is clearly unbiblical. Sin affects every part of us. It affects our will our desires, our emotions. But God is transforming all of those things. He's leading you in repentance. You do have to repent in your own will. You do have to choose to stop sinning. But God gives you the power to do so. He enables you more and more to die to sin, to live to righteousness. And the other extreme I see is to ignore the need for repentance. To kind of laugh all for excuse away sin. Like, well, we're all sinners. And not showing any grief for sin. Not showing any desire to repent. All sin is forgiven by the cross of Jesus Christ. But all sin is serious. If you are forgiven in Jesus Christ, you'll want to repent. God gives you his Holy Spirit working in you, convicting you of your sin. Giving you the desire and the power to repent. And Paul continued his thoughts in Ephesians 2, verse 10. He said, For we are his workmanship. We're saved by grace through faith. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When you enter your relationship with God through the reconciling work of Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You desire to live the life that God has revealed in his word, to live on the path of the righteous, being led by God the whole way. David turns his attention back to the wicked in verse 9. He says, For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. David begins here with the lies of the wicked. We see this a lot. They're deceptive. There's lies. There's destruction in their heart. Their throat is an open grave. He's speaking about their lives leading to death. And that's one of the things about the way of the world. The way of life that is contrary to God's word. Is that their lies can be so convincing and they're everywhere. David keeps mentioning the lies of the wicked because that is one of the main distinctions between the two paths of life. The lies of the wicked and the ways of the world and the truth of God's word. And this is why it's so important that you continuously study, read, and meditate on the truth in God's word. So that you can know when you're being lied to. I was recently watching the children's movie, uh, The Sandlot, with my kids. It is a movie about a group of boys, uh, 11 or 12 years old or so. I really enjoy this movie. And these boys, they get together and they play baseball every day in the summer in this empty sandlot. But in the movie, there's this problem. The ball goes over the fence, and one of the main characters, his name is Benny Rodriguez, has a dream where he is visited by Babe Ruth. And in this scene, Babe Ruth tells this kid a number of things. And because I study and meditate on God's word, there were alarms going off. These are lies. First, he says, more than once, legends never die. Which clearly is not true. Then, in encouraging him to do something... Great. He wants him to do something great that everyone remembers. He says everyone gets one chance to do something great. Most people never take the chance. Either they're scared or they don't recognize it when it spits on their shoe. They go, he goes on to imply that something happened, namely the kid hit the guts out of a baseball, because God was implying he wanted to tell him something and he needs to listen. Ultimately, he's saying that God wants him to do something great in the eyes of the world. And then he says, probably the biggest lie of all, follow your heart, kid. You'll never go wrong. Most of this movie is relatively harmless, and I do quite enjoy it. But this scene epitomizes how the teachings and the lies of the world are slipped into so many things around us. We're surrounded by these lies. And I want to make it clear. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch this movie. I just watched it, and I I quite enjoy it. We shouldn't hide ourselves from the influences of the world because you can't avoid it. You can't hide in a closet all day. You have to interact with the world. You have to speak to people. You're going to consume media. But you are to, as we read about in Psalm 1, meditate on the word of God day and night. You are to read your Bible, study the scriptures, hear the word of God preached in worship. The more you are steeped in the word of God, the more you are living God's way of life and know it in your heart, you'll be able to discern when the world is trying to lead you astray. Then you'll be able to keep from walking in the counsel of the wicked. You're going to hear the counsel of the wicked. You're going to be in the world. But you want to avoid this way of life that is taught. You want to live life the way it is taught in God's word. If you know what God's word says about life and death, then you'll know the statement, legends never die, is clearly a lie. The only way to eternal life is through faith in Jesus Christ. If you know that the, what the word of God says about what God wants from you, you'll know that he's not concerned about you doing great memorable things in the eyes of the world, but that God wants you to love him with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. He wants you to love your neighbor. If you know what the word of God says about the human heart, then you'll know that the advice to follow your heart and you'll never go wrong is actually a destructive lie. When you know that God says that the heart is deceitful, above all things, and desperately sick, then you'll know that the truth is, if you follow your heart, you'll actually never go right. You'll always be wrong. You are to follow the heart of God, that is what it, the way he is revealed in his word. You're to follow the heart of Christ that is revealed in the scriptures. Then you'll never go wrong. And to do so, you need to know what the word of God says. In order to avoid living according to the lives of the world, you have to know what God, how God wants you to live. So you don't need to avoid what the world says. You really can't avoid it. But you need to know the truth of God's word so that you can combat the lies. And David concludes this psalm in verses 11 and 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. So David now changes topics from speaking about the wicked and asking God to condemn them in their lies to speaking about the righteous. The wicked are those who reject God, his way of life. They lie and they deceive. And they are to be held to account for their evil. But the righteous, those who take refuge in God, those who are in a relationship with God, who fear him and love him, David calls for God to let them rejoice, that they would sing for joy, that God would protect them, that those who love the name of God would exult in him. And the name of God in the Bible represents God's character. David is saying that those who love the character of God and that's a characteristic of someone on the path of the righteous, someone in a relationship with God, someone who is seeking God's presence. They love the character of God. The righteous, those in a covenant relationship with God through Christ, they love God and everything about him, and they exult in his nature. And then David ends with, for you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor as with a shield. And this is the third benefit of your relationship with God through Christ. God blesses you. Taking refuge in God means committing your life to Him. Relying on God. Relying on His power and His protection. It's being on the path of the righteous. Trusting in God and relying on Him. Seeking His presence. Strengthening your relationship with Him. You don't seek God for His benefits. You seek him because he is the greatest good. And when you do this, when you seek first God and his kingdom and his righteousness, he will give you everything you need. When you seek God, you will draw near to him. He will hear your prayers. When you seek God, he will change you and transform you into the righteous image of his son. When you seek God, he will bless you and he will cover you with favor as a shield. God's favor and his blessing are upon his people. So you can trust that no matter how difficult your circumstances and things may be in this world, you can trust that he is with you and that he will lead you on the path of righteousness and he will bless you along the way. And God's covering for those that take refuge in him is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who trust in him, those that receive and rest upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation are covered with the favor and the very righteousness of God. You can come to God in prayer and he will hear you because of the great mediator on your behalf. You're changed by God and he gives you desire to be more like Jesus Christ each and every day. You are covered by God in the righteousness of Christ. And it's only in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ that you stand before God. It's only in Jesus Christ that you receive all the blessings of God that only Christ himself deserves. You are blessed by God in Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ. So you can praise God, the King of righteousness, for all he has done. For all he continues to do in you and for you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. We come before you to praise you Lord. For choosing us and changing us. For calling us to live life your way. For revealing the good way of life. The true way of life in your word and sending your son to live it perfectly. That he not only died for our sins, but he lived life perfectly so that we could be seen before you in him. And that we can be transformed into his image, continuing to live life your way. Continuing to reject the lies of the world that our hearts so desperately seek. Killing the sin in our hearts and living to righteousness each day. And we ask that you would continue to do this, Lord, revealing the sin in our life and making us more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, so that we can proclaim your gospel and live it out each day, being the light of Christ in the world. We pray this in his glorious name. Amen.